Hello everyone and welcome to Just What You Never Expected or Just Wine as I like to call it. My name is Ro and here on the show we highlight the perspectives, experiences, travel adventures and becoming of this atypical Jamaican Canadian American girl. Yes, I'm talking about yours truly right here. And now this is our 10th episode. We'll stop counting today, at least publicly. We did say that. But what won't change is our excitement, my excitement about this journey with you. It's going to be a great ride. I promise. Today's question is brought to you by the global pandemic. To vax or not to vax? That is the question. We're looking at the very controversial issue surrounding the COVID-19 vaccine. Why are people holding out adamantly refusing to get this job while others are running full speed for the head of the line? Well, that's the question on today's show. Get that glass of wine if you're ready. It's going to be a spicy one. Sit back, relax, stand up, lay down. Whatever you do, you're in for a real treat. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to Just Wine Wednesdays, when a new episode of the Just Wine podcast drops each and every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. Well, what is the deal with the COVID-19 vaccine? And why is it dividing families, friends, and others? Well, unless you've been living under a rock for quite some time, you'll know that we're in the midst of a global pandemic due to the outbreak of the COVID-19 virus. And to provide a brief background, COVID-19 is an infectious disease from a virus, which comes from the coronavirus family. According to the World Health Organization, most people infected with the virus will experience mild to moderate respiratory illness and they will recover without requiring any medical treatment or any special treatment. However, some will become seriously ill and some will require medical attention. So what do we know? We know that older people and those with underlying medical conditions like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, chronic respiratory disease, high blood pressure, or cancer are more likely to become seriously ill with a COVID infection. Despite this fact, we know anyone can get sick with COVID-19 and and can become seriously ill or die at any age. We also know that some of the more serious symptoms include shortness of breath, fever, and dizziness. Now let's look at the numbers. Over 223 million cases of COVID-19 have been confirmed globally, and 4.6 million deaths have occurred globally as a result of COVID-19. Now, we know that there could be some issues when it comes to reporting, whether that number is inflated or not. We're not here to dispute that today. We're just putting out the facts as it's given, according to the World Health Organization, as of today's date. And specifically in America, as of today, total COVID case count is approximately 86 million and 2.1 million have died as a result of the virus. Now, as of now, there really is no treatment for COVID. But what scientists have come up with is this vaccine to prevent the risk of getting seriously ill and to prevent hospitalization and to prevent death. 
this is the protection the COVID vaccine provides. So the World Health Organization, the WHO, they approved a number of COVID vaccines for emergency use under what's called the emergency use listing procedure. And what is this? This is a risk-based procedure for assessing and listing unlicensed vaccine and other things. But we're just going to focus on the vaccine for now. So the ultimate aim is to expedite the availability of these products to people affected by a public health emergency. And four of the more known who approved emergency use COVID vaccines in the West are the Pfizer-BioNTech, the AstraZeneca, Moderna, and the Johnson & Johnson Janssen vaccine. Vaccines that are approved under the emergency use listings are still under development and, and they haven't been licensed yet, as is the case with the, the COVID vax we've mentioned. And so the biotech companies that are developing the vaccine, they're going to be required to apply for a WHO pre-qualification once development is complete and once the license is obtained. According to the World Health for an investigational vaccine to be considered fit for use in a public health emergency, such as the one that we are in, data should demonstrate that there is a benefit in the target population that's going to outweigh the risk of use. And so, in essence, what they're saying is that the vaccine is not fully developed yet, but we're approving it for use because we think that the benefits that it provides to us um, in general is going to outweigh the risk of using it. So that brings us to the next point. What are the risks? What are the risks uh, of associated with the COVID-19 vaccine? And according to the CDC, there are a few uh, risks here that we are going to discuss or just list out. Uh, one is anaphylaxis, which is a, a severe allergic reaction that can lead to death. Um, thrombosis, which is the blood clot. Myocarditis, uh, pericarditis, which is more often associated with the Pfizer Moderna vaccine after the second shot. And that has to do with inflammation of the heart and tissue surrounding the heart. Uh, according to the CDC, though, these reports are rare and they're known. But the potential benefits of the vaccine still outweighs these potential risks. And so the benefits we know are preventing hospitalization, as they say, preventing death and minimizing the risk of becoming seriously ill uh, once infected. So considering the risks and the benefits and all that we've presented so far, why won't some people get jabbed? Why aren't many people running to get the vaccine? And a popular answer that I've heard, at least from people that I know, uh, is that they, they haven't looked into it yet. Really one of the most popular, men and women. They haven't looked into it yet. They don't know enough. They don't understand enough about it to feel like they can make a decision to, to take the vaccine. That being said, we're going to give you a jump start today. So let's dive into this. Well, we keep hearing about the mRNA, mRNA. So how does that work and what does it even mean? So some COVID-19 vaccines have been developed with an approach that uses what's called mRNA or messenger ribonucleic acid. The mRNA vaccine technology has been studied for, what is it, over a decade, they say. And and, and it was it's been used in the development of... um vaccines for uh, Zika, for the flu, and for rabies. So we as people, we naturally have mRNA in our bodies. What mRNA does is it carries a protein blueprint 
received from our DNA to ourselves, specifically a component of ourselves, which is responsible for making the protein using the blueprint that it got. So with the vax, what they do is they synthesize an mRNA that will tell our cells to create a protein that looks just like the protein found on the SARS-CoV-2 virus, that's on the coronavirus or the COVID-19 virus. And this will trigger an immune response from our bodies. And once this happens, the body will develop antibodies to fight it. So whenever the body then sees this protein again in the future, it will recognize it and fight just the same. So we know that the Pfizer vaccine is based on mRNA as well as the Moderna. But what else are they using? So the Johnson & Johnson is using a viral vector vaccine. And according to the CDC, a viral vector vaccine uses a, a modified version of a different virus, which is called the vector Um, to deliver this message to our cells, right? And so the benefit of using a viral vector vaccine, just like all all vaccines, that you gain protection without ever having the risk of infection, right? And, And the serious consequence of getting sick. Now, regarding the AstraZeneca vaccine, according to the BBC, who reported on this, um, it's made from a weakened version of a common cold virus. Uh, and, and what it does, it's been modified to contain some genetic material shared by the coronavirus. So it's taking genes from the surface of the, the virus and it's putting it inside a harmless cold virus. And so although it can't cause illness, once it's, you know, once you take this vaccine, your body's immune system attacks the virus. And what it does is it teaches your body how to fight the real virus if it ever encounters it. And again, according to the CDC and the World Health Organization, none of the approved vaccines contain the live virus that causes COVID-19, which means that COVID-19 vaccines cannot make you sick with COVID-19. These mRNA vaccines have been rigorously assessed for safety. They say um, it does not interfere with human DNA. Um, They say clinical trials have shown that mRNA vaccines provide a long-lasting immune response. Well, I absolutely take that statement with a grain of salt just because already uh, we know that booster shots are already in the works, uh, specifically for people with uh, immune-compromised systems. So, their system, to be fair, never did get to the level of protection that those who are not immune compromised would have gotten. So if most of the population who are not immune compromised got to, say, a 90% protection rate, uh, these people never got there anyway. So they they do need a booster shot. However, we know that um, there is additional talks about an additional jab as time goes by. So we'll see how that works in terms of long last. And as of now, I'm not too sure about that, but the research is still developing. And what are other reasons why people won't get jabbed? Why won't some people go and get the darn facts? To be honest, I really never took the time to research this more uh, thoroughly until we started preparing for this episode. And of course, I couldn't stop. One thing led to the other. It's very interesting. And, and many people don't ever get to it, even if they had the intention of doing so. And some just don't have any interest in looking into it. Uh, some think they can't find the time. And part of the issue is many people just don't even know where to start. It can be intimidating, especially when you don't know much about the information 
and you don't know exactly what you should be looking for. Well, you know I like to do my very, very, very unscientific research every chance I get just to understand how people around me and people that I encounter are thinking and feeling about a certain uh, issue or topic. And what I found is that the number one reason among unvaccinated young women I know or that I've encountered seems to be concerned regarding reproductive consequences that may happen down the road after taking the vaccine. Now, I know everyone's saying this is a conspiracy or where did it come from? I know for me, it was a concern of mine as well, being a woman and especially one who does just does not like to take um, medication. And what I found is that health officials were cast in blame on a petition filed in December of 2020 for the reason people are concerned about vaccine, about the COVID-19 vaccine causing infertility. And truth be told, I hadn't even heard of this petition until we started the research for this episode. The petition was filed to the European Medicine Agency. This is the body responsible for drug approval in the European Union and the equivalent to the FDA in the US. It was filed by Dr. Wolfgang Wodarg, who's a German doctor and epidemiologist and former public health official, and by Dr. Michael Yeadon, who is a ex-Pfizer employee who is the head of respiratory research. And what they demanded was that the COVID vaccine studies should not be continued until a study design was available that would be suitable to address the significant safety concerns that they had. Now, these concerns, um, the concerns that they expressed suggested the possibility for compromised fertility in COVID-19 vaccine recipients. And here's, here's why. So they say a placental protein, a spike protein associated with the development of the placenta during pregnancy, has a small number of amino acids in its spike protein that is similar to those in that of the COVID virus, and that the placental protein would cause vaccine-induced antibodies to react against it and risking fertility. So what they're suggesting is that vaccinated women who become pregnant may run the risk of losing the baby. Why? Because a healthy developed placenta is required for a successful pregnancy. And they're saying, once you've been vaccinated against the SARS-CoV-2 virus, your body will develop an immune response against the spike protein in that virus whenever it sees it again. And so when, you, when a woman becomes pregnant, the body will see that protein in the developing placenta, recognizing it as the COVID virus that it fought off and will attack those cells and creating an issue for fertility. Now, according to Dr. Paul Offit at the Philadelphia Children's Hospital, and Dr. Offit has been reviewing clinical trials behind the, the vaccines as an advisor to the FDA. What he's saying is that if this were the case, then the immune response developed from surviving a COVID infection would also do the same thing. But he says that there's no evidence that this pandemic has changed fertility patterns. So said differently, the fertility numbers haven't changed significantly since the issuance of the vaccine, since COVID has entered our lives. Now, the World Health Organization also reports that numerous women, you know, over 20 plus women have gotten pregnant during the vaccine trials, both in the clinical group and in the placebo control group. And they also state that the spike proteins of the placenta and the SARS-CoV-2 virus have just a small component of similarity between the two, making the claims that the petition makes very unlikely to happen. Concerns 
regarding the vaccine have expanded to even include uh, males suggesting that the vaccine can cause a decreased sperm count. But health officials are saying that this is not the case and that while fever can cause a temporary decrease in sperm count, and I suppose they're referring especially to fevers that may occur shortly after being vaccinated, they're saying that there's no biological plausible reason to expect that the vaccines would actually cause any long-term effect on sperm count. We've talked about why people aren't getting jabbed, but why are people doing it? Why are people running to get vaxxed? And it's, it's, it's obvious, you know, people want their life back. They want things back to normal. They want to visit their loved one, especially the elderly, their grandparents, those who've had to isolate and stay away for such a long time. And some have even seen the impact of COVID firsthand with their family and friends becoming infected or the strain on the medical systems all over. You know, I spoke to one of my favorite nurses of all time who's is just incredibly brilliant, really smart, and really experienced. Um, she's an RN, a registered nurse with over 20 years of experience in ICU and recovery. Shout out to Nurse Rocks 36. <laughs> she's been worried about when I'd spill something about her in one of these episodes. Well, the day's here. <laughs> but not to worry, not to worry. It's not that kind of episode. But as the case with many nurses, uh, throughout the pandemic, she worked with numerous COVID-19 patients, all the while she had a family at home as well. And this isn't unusual either. And as someone I've known personally for a number of years and one of my closest friends, I sat down and asked her, you know, what affected you? What was it like working throughout the pandemic with with COVID patients? And what she described was quite an emotional trauma, the emotional trauma of seeing multiple family members come into the ICU affected by COVID at the same time. So seeing mom and grandma next door to each other in different ICU beds simultaneously while the rest of the family would be at home in isolation and just the sadness that individuals had to go through such a frightening thing alone with their loved ones far and and how the nurses tried to do their best to um, to compensate for that, you know, setting up iPads so they can video chat in one way conversation, because generally by then the they, they the patients were weren't able to speak. It was just too difficult to do that. But at least they could hear or see relatives you know, on the iPad, video chatting, and 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 hope, and the hope was that that would be enough to lift their spirit or to help them continue the fight. You know, she talked about herself and her colleagues being worried about taking the virus home to their own families, and just constantly feeling like a threat each time they opened their own front door and walked in the house. And what struck me most, what struck me most is was a sense of responsibility and, and the obligation that she described that her as well as her team that they had for the profession and for their patients. It seemed to me that they just continued pushing and they, they continued to go to work even when they, they should have been off because there was a need. There, they were short staffed, they were short on supplies, and everyone kind of just pitched in in the hospitals, what it seems like. So... Big, 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 big shout out to all our healthcare professionals who've made such immense sacrifice for the greater good during this pandemic. And otherwise, we do love and appreciate you and we thank you. For Nurse Rocks, she said that it was a no brainer after all she had seen, after all she had gone through, after seeing the research 
uh, she said she knew she was going to take the vaccine as soon as it became available. And she did. People are also getting vaxxed because they recognize the damage that lockdown has had on businesses and the economy. Businesses closed many temporarily and so much more permanently. So many people were out of work. I remember airline travel nearly coming to a complete halt and just millions of airline employees sweating bullets last year wondering like damn am I going to lose my job are we going to bounce back and many did lose their job folks just want to travel again they want to see the world they want to visit friends and families in other cities and and different countries again and for some the reason is they are just afraid afraid of what this thing can do what its long-term effects on the body may be and would just much rather get the job but what are the long-term consequences? What are the long-term concerns associated with the vaccine? Tune in for this and more with our next episode and part two of the Just Wine Vaccine Rollout. Well, that's it for our show today. Thanks to each and every listener for winding down with us here at the Just Wine Podcast. I'm so, so glad you chose to spend the time tuning in. Look out for the next episode, which will be available for download next Wednesday. We do post episodes weekly. And if you're enjoying the podcast, let us know. Send us an email to justwinepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can send us a message on Instagram. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, wherever you're listening. Let others know what you like, what we're doing well. It's quick and easy and it'll be much, much appreciated. And by the way, if you have not started following us on Instagram as yet, pause your flow for a minute, just a minute. Check us out on Instagram. Follow us there at Just Wine Podcast. That's J-U-S-T-W-Y-N-E Podcast. Well, until next time, family, we'll see you soon. Bye for now.